My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Aidan McCullen. One of the coolest things about hosting a podcast like the Wonder Dome is I get to meet and dive into deep conversation with some of the most interesting, dynamic human beings on the planet. And Aidan is one of those people, without a doubt. He is the author of a recent book called Undisruptible, a mindset of permanent reinvention for individuals, organizations, and life. He also publishes weekly on his blog uh, around those topics of what it means to reinvent ourselves, our organizations, what it means to adapt and change. And he has, over the course of his journey, built a body of work around the importance of being, of having full access to all of our resources so that we can do the hard work when we need to. And we can also adapt and let go and innovate when the times call for it. Before moving into this space, oh, I should also say, by the way, he's the host of a fantastic podcast, um, which serve as, as an exemplar for me of what's possible for the Wonder Dome. He's been doing it for almost a decade. It's called the Global Innovation Show. It boasts listeners from around the world and is also in syndicate on international Ireland's national broadcaster, RTE, and Finland Business FM. So, so he's an author, he's a writer, he's a change consultant. And before all of that, he... Uh, was a, a professional rugby player with over 100 caps for Leinster, Toulouse, and London Irish. Um, that in itself, you'll hear in this conversation, becoming a rugby player was itself a reinvention. He is someone who has uh, learned through experience what it means to grow and adapt and change and become whoever you're ready to become next in the face of whatever life has in store for you. And he also, as you hear in this conversation, has a remarkable gift for storytelling and metaphor that brings to life many of the themes that I'm talking about here in our introduction. So if you care at all about how to live life more fully, more creatively, with more resilience and adaptability, if you care about uh, all about how to lead organizations in that way, or how to build communities in that way, then this conversation is for you. So let's get settled in. And hear what Aiden has for us. Aiden, welcome to the Wonder Dome. It's great to be with you, Andy. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah, it's really a pleasure. I'm so glad that uh, Shannon Lucas, a previous guest, connected us. Uh, folks won't get to see it, but I'm seeing you in your studio and you're like in front of this 
amazing uh, rainbow-colored wall of books, which which I sense are many, if not all, of these are people that you've actually talked to, uh, and it's just like really a trip to 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 be in the presence of all this thinking. Yeah, it's funny having the books around me is is almost like a way to prime my mind and prime me to get ready for a good conversation. So I like doing interviews here and I'd run my own show in front of the library here, but essentially they are their guests. Every single one of those books has been a guest on the show. If not, they ha- they're going to be a guest. And if they're not, if that's not the case, the person <laughs> has passed away, but actually I still want to cover those books in some way, mm. maybe mm. speak to a biographer in some way in the future. But certainly I think learning is a, uh, absolutely essential in a world of rapid change yeah how did you come how did you come to believe that is that something that you feel like you've always carried or is that something you've emerged into well i was i was a professional sports player for 10 years and an unlikely one and there's a there's a saying that i've come become very fond of and i mentioned in my book it's by the great innovator bookminster fuller Mm. And he said that there's nothing in a caterpillar that tells you it's going to be a butterfly. (laughs) And I always think about it, Andy, you've children, I've children, that you have no idea how it's going to work out for them in the future. You can influence it. You can encourage them. But the the greatest gift we can give them is this concept of the growth mindset that work is synonymous with any kind of endeavor. And also that success isn't a label in that it's not about where you work or anything like that. It's about how happy you are. And, you know, if you ask my kids, what do you want to be when they grow up? They'll say happy. And I have mm-hmm. to kind of prime that into their mind. And that goes back to me as a child, because I was always the last picked in the playground. It was that type of kid. And it, if you asked anybody, <laughs> will that guy go and play for his country and play? I played for the two most successful clubs in Europe in rugby. and I did it by vision and hard work. I I visualized it. I worked hard. I showed up. I showed up when others didn't. I made sacrifices that I didn't even feel like much of a sacrifice. You know, I'm from Ireland. We have a culture that's synonymous with alcohol. I didn't indulge Mm. in that as much as I did. I worked behind the bar serving the alcohol, but I didn't uh, engage in it. And as a result, it paid off. So I, I was lucky in that I found a formula that worked early in my life. I was, you know, professional player at 22. And uh, speaking of caterpillars, there's... Uh, there's one little one here. Yes. As, as if as if summoned somehow. Ah, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Aiden, I'm going to pick this up. Apparently the door is unlocked. We'll, we'll pause for a second sure. and pick, pick this for, back man. up. All right. Cheers. Yeah, I'll be absolutely. right back. Go for it. All yeah, right. no. All right, so a perfectly timed arrival from from my own little one as we were talking about sort of childhood and youth and and what we might do as adults to sort of provide opportunities for them to connect to their own journey. And you were sort of speaking to this vision that you had and the work that you put in, despite like a culture and context that didn't necessarily have a lot of faith or or support around that. And uh I just find myself really curious about about how you had access to that at that age when at the time you were the kid to be picked last. Like what what was it that drove you to put in that work when you easily couldn't you easily could have just not put in that work? You know, I, I think when when people tell these stories, they 
try to make it sound like some Hollywood movie or, you know, some very mystical experience or whatever. It's something I've asked myself, Andy. I I don't know what drove me. Um, Maybe, and this is me, I work partly as an executive coach. Maybe it was a desire for that inner child to be accepted. Maybe Mm. it was a way to show them, I'm going to show you. Mm. So maybe it didn't come from the most positive place. And another thing that I've, I've excavated over the years is maybe it was because my parents didn't go well done Mm. and that Mm. it it was this constant striving to, you know, get a pat on the back and go well done. Mm. So maybe, I don't know. And, but what I do know is I've been extremely lucky to have stumbled upon a formula that has worked for me in many different ways in that have that vision, think about it regularly. Don't, don't overly obsess about it, Mm. but do the work. And, and Mm. that's, I think, a formula for anything. And, you know, it it manifests in many ways for me now. Um, I'll give an example. Seeing as your, your little one came in, I do Lego my kids quite a bit. And my job, by the way, is the Lego is, is the finder guy. So I go and (laughs) I can't find this piece and don't worry, finder guy, I'll get it. And I go looking for the piece, but I explained to them that like Lego and, and these are not, they're, they're big, complicated pieces. The kids are eight and 12 and they're like 7,000 pieces or whatever. Yeah. So they're big, chunky yeah. pieces and yeah. very different from Lego when I was a kid, which was like spill it on the floor and make what your imagination suggested. But this is the Lego and then step-by-step instructions. But I was explaining to my eight-year-old the other day, the poor kid having me as a dad, <laughs> that this Lego is exactly like any vision in life. You start off, you have the picture, which is the box in front of you. You look at it regularly to go, that's what the prize is, the mm. end, mm. Ex- you know, and then you break it down into stages because the bags of Lego now come in, in numbered bags where you go, this is what you're building next. And then the most important thing for my kid who's building this amazing Avengers tower at the moment, I, I was like, for a very long time, you didn't see anything. Mm. It, it was just a base you were building. Mm. And I was like, going to him, like I, hope, I hope you understand. It. I was like, that's what happens when you're doing anything from sport to maths. You have to build a base in order to do the more complicated stuff mm. or anything. Or even when daddy wrote his book, you did lots of stuff for ages. A lot of you threw away or you didn't see. And, and also nobody else saw it, mm. but you constantly revisit the vision mm. of what the goal is, what the prize is at the end of the, uh, at the end of all this. And that keeps you going forward. And there's a saying that your why needs to be bigger than your try. You know that from doing mm. your podcast, mm. it drags you through those days that you don't really feel like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Vision seems to be a, a cornerstone of of how you relate to the world. And um, I mean, even before we started recording, you shared this really inspiring vision for your relationship to your podcast. It was like, yeah, I, I can see myself when I'm 90. I'll, I'll be doing this as long as I can speak, I think was the language you used. <laughs> and, and so this, it, there, that is a very, like, when you say vision, I'm experiencing it as not this abstract, like, no, you actually literally mean a thing that you can see and imagine and move towards even 
when you can't find the piece right now, that's going to help you get there. You got to go look, okay, what am I looking for? I got to go look for this piece. Is, is that, yeah. does that resonate with you? Like really clearly seeing it? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, I, I probably have a great imagination as a kid and that goes back to, I'm from the country in Ireland, which is very much remote. <laughs> so uh, we didn't have many neighbors or anything like that. So you, you imagined all the time, you went and you, you thought about stuff and you played in nature, etc. And um, perhaps that helped a lot. Perhaps it was some influence from my parents. I don't know. Again, you know, you can kind of wager at what these things are, but you never really know. But I, I do actually see it. You know, I see whatever it is in my head. And, and I, by the way, I wasn't great at this in sport. I didn't visualize, which is different, I think, where you practice what you're going to do in your mind before you actually do it. Mm. But mm. vision is, is for me a different thing. It's actually, as you say, what you see when you close your eyes, that Lego box, when I close my eyes, what is it? And it, it, in, it, it inspires me a lot in that my version of, of my, because I played sport, I, I did some damage to my body, like anyone who plays mm. sport for a mm. long time. Mm. So I, I regularly train now after this session, I'm, I'm going to go and do physio. Uh, so rehab training. So to, mm. to actually rehabilitate my body for the future and the way people kind of go, geez, you're, you're very disciplined. Aiden. And they go, what's driving that? And I go, well, I, and I genuinely think, of this where I close my eyes and my future version of me, that 90, hundred year old version or more maybe comes back and goes, Hey man, I just uh, want to say, thanks. <laughs> I just want to say thanks for that discipline for going to the gym. Mm. Thanks for not mm. overdoing it on the booze. Thanks for eating well. Thanks for whatever, giving up red mm. meat, whatever those mm. things. Thank you. Mm. And I see the same in the podcast that mm. the future version of me is in a different studio much more books as you identified and it does two things one is the the gift of reading diverse information of consuming diverse information of having conversations like this actually changes how you think and the way i talk about it in my own book is it's like you wear glasses uh, i've had the optometrist Trist contraption put on me to be tested for glasses. I, I actually need to get glasses, by the way. And the whole idea is, you know, when they they do the test and they put it on a lens, how does that look, Andy? And then they take it away, and then they do. And I, and I think of every experience we have in life like a lens, like that. And the difference being in life that you, you it's very difficult to take the lens away after you've seen through it. And each each interview, each conversation like this, each experience good and bad is a lens that gets put in place. Mm. And mm. some of those lenses aren't useful. They're scratched and worn and we leave them there. We need to refresh that. And this is part of my whole mindset is you need to hang a question mark over many things that you take for granted. And some of those are the lenses or the way you see things and conversations like this actually help that you may yeah. see something in a totally different light from having a conversation like this. And that's a joy and it's a privilege. Yeah, that I mean, I can wholeheartedly attest to that. I, I, someone was sort of in a snarky way saying like, "Oh, everyone has a podcast these days," and I was like, "Everyone should have a, but like, not nearly enough people have a podcast because what a great excuse to inquire into things and hear from people who otherwise, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you and I might have." been within high-fiving distance once in our lives by chance and not even known it. But now here we have this excuse to slow down 
and uh, talk about the ways we see the world and to learn from that. So it's a, just a, there's, there's an absence of that kind of learning, this sort of curiosity driven learning that has question marks on a lot of things as opposed to periods. And one of the catch 22s of that, at least I'll speak in my own, for my own experience is it's, is when something has a period on it, it's hard to even know, notice it. It's hard. It's like, Oh, like this, someone built this house. It didn't just appear here. Someone built it. Well, how do you, how do you build a house? Like, that's the question mark. The period is like, yeah, you live in a house. That's what everyone does. You live in a house. And, uh, and it's hard to, it's hard to notice those moments of opportunity to ask the question as opposed to kind of uh, accept the answer that someone else has already given. And I wonder, like, how do you work? How do you work with yourself to keep? I mean, you have your podcast. You've made this very clear commitment. But how do you communicate that to yourself and to others in ways that um, get through to them? How do you help other people kind of shake up what they're taking for granted? Well, I only, well, firstly, I, I try to only do it if they ask, because I don't think everybody, like, like anything, it's like you speak to a room full of people. One of the most important things to understand at the start is what, what type of audience am I speaking to? What's their level of understanding here? Mm. So I can speak to that level or I might identify I'm not your right speaker because these are all experts and I'm, I'm not that where they are. So I might do something different, you know, and, and I think that that's key that when you in anything you do in life, you do it for yourself first. And that doesn't mean it's selfish. I think that's really important. I think a lot of times people think, you know, you mentioned about the podcast thing. It's about you. And the best podcasts are where the host gets out of the way and it's about the guest or a, a, like your podcast about the conversation and it's not pre-planned. I can mm -hmm. tell people that who are listening and it will go and meander and go any which way. And we don't do a lot of that because every meeting, you know, well, I was going to say every meeting has an agenda. A lot of people will go, no, that doesn't, <laughs> but it should, it should have an agenda or certainly, you know, you diarize things. And they should have a, a goal. But when you have a, a conversation like this and there's no selfish goal, it's just for the joy of the conversation. That's interesting. And there's even apps that have appeared, Andy, I don't know if you know this, where they have this. It's like you have a chat with a stranger. And really? Th that's, yeah. Yeah. So um, I can't remember the name of it. And there's another new app actually where it will only link you with somebody else who is below 5% in their battery. So you, you actually have this like end of the world conversation where your phone's about to die and it will oh, only work brilliant. if you're, if it identifies your battery's low. So I, I kind of think that's really interesting. And, and that when you give people space to think it's really important. And, and I, you know, I sense from your perspective, you've done a work on yourself and, and yeah. that's, we all should be doing that. Meditation changes your brain, changes how you think the lenses of each conversation changes how you see the world, your worldview literally changes. And one of the biggest things you get from any conversation where people who are not like you is empathy. And mm -hmm. it's been the biggest learning for me when I worked in corporate change roles, which I do my, my role in, in the society essentially is, I work as a corporate change um, consultant. So I do keynote speeches. I work programs for them. I, I write as well. I'm an author now as well. 
but th- they all stem from this place that you and Ilford is the curiosity. Hmm. And it's very hard to get someone else to be curious because they're either into it or not. I mean, some people are happy to just watch Netflix all the time or, or that's what they live for at the end of the day. That's fine. You know, I, I, I personally, that would f- make me feel unfulfilled, mm. Mm. but some people that's what's good for them. Some people in Ireland, like for example, many of my friends, even I know they won't be listening to this. They, they would go to the pub a lot, you know, and even during lockdown, they'd be like trying to get a sneaky find of some pub that's open, you know, and, I'm just kind of going like in my head kind of going, I couldn't have think of anything worse. <laughs> I, I wrote, I actually wrote my book during the lockdown. Like you started your podcast. I, I, I saw it as an opportunity. Okay. Now the mm. world has given me a chance here to do a thing I wanted to do. I'm going to do it. Mm. And that's not to say other people are wrong. Uh, and, and this is where the empathy comes in is that I, I realized that we're all on different paths and we can't be judgmental. I used to, find people who blocked your change initiatives in organizations. I used to be so angry with them. I'd be going, oh, you're laggard. You're in the way. You're clogging the arteries of progress. All these type of terms come into mind. Mm. And now I go, actually, I got to see things from their perspective. Mm. Maybe they're mm. afraid. Like fear drives resistance. Why, why are they afraid? Let me have that conversation to understand how they see it. And they might go, well, here, here you are coming in, changing everything. And I go, well, what do I represent to you? And they go, well, change means, well, maybe I'll lose my job Mm. or Mm. you're bringing in artificial intelligence. It's going to replace my whole, all my friends and colleagues. And you, and you go, wow. Okay. I didn't see it that way. Yeah. And I think that's the joy of these conversations or any conversation. If you actually truly listen. Yeah. That's, that really resonates with me. This kind of paradoxical capacity that you're naming to, move towards edges that many people don't notice or are afraid of, but then from that edge to turn around and talk to someone without judgment to actually see like, what's their edge? Where are they at right at this moment? And how can I meet them there with curiosity as opposed to demand or expectation Um, and discover what it is they are dreaming of, or they're afraid of, or they care about and use that as a way to actually connect and make, make a difference as opposed to like, hammering them to the point where they're either going to break or they're going to like, they're going to revolt. Right. Yeah. Big Mm -hmm. time. And and it goes back to the point of the Lego. There's a, there's a, a a desert of boredom (laughs) of building the base to get to the interesting things. And that's in, that happens in a conversation. It's also inconvenient. Like, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, when somebody kind of, you go out of your way to get somebody a gift and they go, oh, you didn't have to. That's because you didn't actually have to, but you did. You went and you made it inconvenient for yourself. And I think that's what happens. Like doing a podcast isn't convenient. <laughs> no, Editing it, it certainly isn't convenient. <laughs> but in there, in that effort, and this goes back to where I started about the work. Yeah. You got to do the work, no matter what it is. I mean, innovation, people think of, you know, post-it notes and Swiss balls and fancy offices or startups. Work is at the base of anything there. They still work very hard. Yes, I might have nice surroundings, but I worked very hard to have those surroundings. Having a podcast, I I show up, I, you know, I do my research, I do the editing, whatever it is, you do the work and there's no escaping the work. You can be smart about it, (laughs) 
you can be smart about it yes. and, and work yes. smartly, but you you can't escape it. And yes. and actually, the work if you turn the work into something you enjoy doing, like I I insist on editing my own podcast, not because. I enjoy doing the editing process because I learn. I get a second bite at the conversation. Mm, mm, and so I, mm. I, I, my model is quite kind of different. That's why I have the books. I read the book, listen to any kind of interviews they've done to an extent, because many times most people don't do the work for podcasts, by the way, as in they don't even read the book. And, and every author I have, every, I mean, every one of them, go, thank you for reading the book. You're one of the only few who have read my book. And that's really, that's that's, that, that drives me as well. Cause I'm kind of going, okay, it's great that they recognize that. So it, maybe it's my inner child again, getting a pat on the back to go, well done. <laughs> kid. But, but anyway, I, I, I go back to your point. I, I could have loads of mini little conversations, five minutes here and there, not be present or not listen or I could actually do the work and be totally present and learn. And that learning then translates into a, a more improved future version of me because I have actually changed from that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I, I can already name two, two, at least two metaphors that I'm holding that I wasn't holding whatever, whenever we started 20, 30 minutes ago. This idea of like the lens shift like an optometrist gives you like, how's that? How's that? That we can actually actively, every time we pick up a book or talk to someone new, if we're listening, if we're really present to it, we're sh- we have an opportunity to shift our lens of seeing. And then this like future self saying, thank you. I love that. I love this like, ah, Aiden, thank you for going <laughs> to physio. Thank you for reading that book. Um, so I just want to like, um, in the moment, attest to your insight I'm experiencing it right now and really enjoying it. Uh, a part of me wants to confess, I haven't read your book yet. And, uh, and so hopefully the inner child in you isn't too upset at me for that, but, <laughs> but I've had some time to, I've had a chance to spend some time with your blog and sort of, uh, your thinking online. And the thing that sort of, that that's really jumping out to me now that that hadn't until this moment is the way you're holding the paradox of a kind of roll up your sleeves and do the work energy combined with a, I don't know if I'm going to quite say this the right way. So you help me put this into your words, but there's a sort of attitude of um, openness and flexibility and adapt and adaptability that, that seems to have something to do with not getting too attached to one path. Because if you get too attached to that one path, you're gonna you're gonna just get someone else who's moving on a different, faster path is gonna overtake you, or 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 you're gonna come to a gap that you hadn't seen, and you're not gonna be able to find a way around it. And so, I wonder if you could speak into that paradox of like part of it is just like do the work, walk up the mountain, but another part of it is like, oh, maybe I don't even need to climb that mountain, and I'm fine with that. I'm gonna go climb that mountain over there. And so so playing with that that both end that I sense in your work. Yeah, so the, the that that kind of tension of opposites, um, I, I stumbled upon that, and I, and I I did I wrote about this again and again. There was another. You, you be, people are always kind of going, "Your poor kids have to put up with you all the time." And uh, so what happened? I'm going to send actually, my kids over to you too when they're old enough. Just talk to Aiden; well, he'll get you sorted. We don't know how, how it's going. I, I know I have to imagine the future them coming back and kind of going, "Hey, will you please stop giving me all these metaphors?" <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what, what happened actually was I I was think I, I think about this in life, and it's really, really, really useful. I find is that 
when what happened i'll tell you the story first so th- this actually what happened my i was bathing my kids so this is when they were much younger mm. Mm. and i was preparing the bath and you, this is when i worked in a very corporate role had a you know suit on took the jacket off rolled up the sleeve bend you know kneeling down beside the bath the way you did testing the water start fl- swooshing it left and right and it creates a wave of course in the bath and i noticed then that oh the wave is at a, 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 there's a wave and a trough simultaneously. Mm, mm, mm. And, and I, I, I was like going, I, I'm going to call my kids in here because one of my kids, something had happened to him in school that day. And I called them in. I said, look, look at this. What happens here? What do you see? And they're like, going, oh, the water's swooshing. And I was like, but what do you see if you look closer? And they're like, oh, it's a, a trough. And like, they didn't use that term, but they're like, it's down there and it's up over there. And I was like, kind of going, this is kind of what happens in life, right? So the, it's the same body of water, but there's highs and lows mm. and mm. they ha- happen sometimes simultaneously mm. or there's a lag between them. And, and, you know, I tried to do my best to say this as kids would understand. And I kind of, and I said like, this is like what happened today. There is something bad happened. But if something bad happens, you always can be comforted by knowing something good's on the way and vice mm. versa. When, some, mm. when you're having a good experience, enjoy it but know that something challenging is going to come in the future. But that doesn't mean you, you stop enjoying the high. And anyway, I turned to the two of them and they're looking at me here with the face they usually give me, like kind of going, you know, tolerating me. And my, I turned to my younger guy, my older guy, and he goes, do you understand? He goes, yeah, I think I got it. I turned to the younger guy, you got it there. And he's like, on, he's intently staring at the water. And I'm like, on. This is great. He's really into this. He's really curious. And he goes, Dad, will you put me in there and do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> going, no, no, that's not the lesson. Anyway, I did it. And that was a high for me doing that. But about about six weeks later, Andy, my older kid then broke his arm. And I was at work and I came home. I was like, going, oh, is he all right? Blah, blah, blah. He fell off the trampoline, broke his arm. Mm, mm. And I went up to him because my wife had brought him to the clinic and got him patched up, et cetera. He came in with the the cast on his arm and I was like going, Hey buddy, you okay. And he kind of looks at me and he's, you know, the way when you interrupt a kid, when they're watching TV, they're oh, yes. barely cognizant that you're there. <laughs> and uh, he, he, without breaking his stare from the TV, he just goes, Oh, I just hit a trough. And I was like, mm. Mm. I was like, going, boom, nailed it. He got it. <laughs> and and, I, and I, she, I was like, well, that's a crest for me. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, and they mentioned that for, uh, since like, and, and I do, weave a few of those stories into the book because they were lessons for me as well. And, and it really is a nice mental model to go enjoy things, be mm. grateful when you're mm. at the top, mm. know that there's going to be a challenge and mm. it, it's just part of life. And mm. there's a tension of op- opposites with everything. It was Carl Jung who said that about this great tension of opposites. And if you think about the tension of op- opposites, they come together and when they come together, they pr- create a force. And the analogy I use in the book is that think of like a bow and arrow. If the bow wasn't pulled taut, it wouldn't be able to propel the arrow forward. So you need tension. And I I think that that's the tension between um, hard work and enjoying the fruits of that labor, or as you say, a vision and knowing that I'm going to overcome loads of different obstacles on the way to that vision. And the, the term I give in the book is when you do hit those 
moments of challenge and obstacles, reframe them as milestones, not millstones. Don't mm. let them weigh you down and mm. you recoil back to what you believe is safety. Actually go, aha, <laughs> crest of the wave, there you are. <laughs> Trough of the wave, there you are. Yes. I knew you'd be here. This is the way you manifest. Okay, bring it on. I'll take your best shot yeah. and then I'll keep going. I, I, and those mental models are really helpful for me. They really help me get through things. Yeah. Yeah. This is clearly one of your gifts, these, the, to be aware of the way that things in nature or things in the world help you relate to this experience of tension or discomfort or loss or quote unquote failure that can come up as you're working a challenge. And I just want to underline one thing, by the way, I love which you're speaking to, but I want to just give, give this, this sort of uh, celebration to your younger one. Because essentially what I hear you saying to all of us is to like see that action, that, that, that crest trough action and go, I want to get in that. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, can, yeah. can I get into that right now? You uh, know, like yeah, that's yeah. that attitude of sort of jumping into the, 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 the turbulence and, and enjoying it in some way, yeah. even if it's hard. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and the, the turbulence is the new norm. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we survive a pandemic, hopefully for those, you know, and we've all had challenges. I've lost family members like most people. And as yeah. no sooner have we, we see the light at the end of this uh, tr trough, then along comes this war, you know? So, uh -huh. and, and then, and then you, then you go, well, that's nothing not to, nothing that, that, even reflects what's happening in the workplace because we haven't seen the onset of artificial intelligence and what that's going to do. It's going to totally change the working landscape. And because of that, these skills of curiosity, of questioning, of being present are going to be increasingly important in a world that's more digital. We need to be more human. And that's one of the things this work does when you're doing a podcast and you, you said, for example, people flippantly or in a derogatory way go, oh, everybody's got a podcast now. Great. They should, because yeah. then they will improve their skill of speaking. And to, to something you said before we came and on here is, yeah, well, it actually, it's brilliant for listening. Like, yeah. it's so brilliant for listening. When I'm a guest on podcasts, I'm reluctant to actually speak believe yeah. it or not because i'm i actually look at because i transcribe my own podcast i use um a, a software but it gives you a percentage of how much you spoke versus the uh. guest and if mine goes over 10 percent, i kind of go oh i better edit that i feel mm. uncomfortable with it because because mm. it, it's truly about mine's a very different thing because it's about the book just to reinforce that yes and therefore if i speak too much i'm kind of going i wonder what i was talking about you know um so I think those those little mindsets shifts are so important. I think they're they're going to be increasingly important, and also stuff like being able to foresee failure, but see failure almost it's only a failure if it's repeatedly making the same mistakes. Because when you try anything new, of course you're going to fail. Like absolutely, you're going to fail, and this is one of the great gifts sports gives you. Actually, is that you put yourself into a position you've never been in before. You're going to make a mistake, but you mm. need to be willing to do that. And also, you don't do that under the Friday night lights. You do that in the back pitch when nobody's watching. Grab a few people and kind of go, "Look, I'm terrible at this skill. Will you help me?" Mm. And you mm. work on it. Mm. And that's the same with everything. And when we become more human in workplaces. 
for example, that we go, look, I'm trying to train this person who's been working in this role for 20 years to do something new. They're going to be messy at the start. It's always messy in the middle between one iteration and the next. So we need to be more human about that and tolerate it. And, and key to all this is do that in times where we're, we're not under huge pressure. So be in charge of that yourself. If you're thinking about changing career, for example, do that before you get fired or let go or your business goes under. Do it in a time of relative peace. And JFK said, the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. <laughs> and and, and it, likewise, a Spartan warrior mantra, which I prefer harks back to my sports days, is the more you sweat in times of peace, the less you bleed in war. So do the work when you're in control of that work. Don't wait until someone sweeps the rug from under your feet and you've no other stability there. Be, be you know, kind of go, they sweep the rug from under your feet and kind of go, ha ha, I've been working on another rug. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, and be ready because there's no, you mentioned education, you mentioned these books. There is no excuse anymore to be learning, to not be learning. Everybody yeah. has access to learning, you know, even somebody who's financially challenged free stuff on youtube there's free courses out there there's even free coursera courses or any of those MOOCs, those online learning platforms there's loads of ways to learn Mm. and perfect your Mm. skills for a changing future Mm. Mm. i love that i wonder if we can push a little bit on the um you used the metaphor earlier of the bow and the essential tension required to produce like that that perfect flight. But, uh, you know, I could imagine like if you keep pulling, if, if there's a, too much tension, the bow snaps or the string snaps or the arrow kind mm-hmm. of falls out of its, of its groove. And um, on my less optimistic days, there are parts of me that are like and worried, and maybe we can bring in your other metaphor here of like the rug thing of, of this sort of <laughs> way in which the rugs are being pulled and too many of us are not ready or the tension is, is getting too much and bows are breaking. And I, and I just wonder like how you relate to, how are you sense-making in this, in this kind of current moment and how much do you feel some caution and trepidation and how much do you feel optimism or a sense of maybe actually this is just the tension we need for something new to emerge? Yeah, so I, I, there's a few analogies and metaphors I'll, I'll throw in here. I, I think this way, by the way, just so you, you don't think I'm like a, a dictionary of metaphors. I've <laughs> written these. I've written these metaphors as well because I find them very helpful, and people can relate to metaphors. Yes. I, I interviewed very too late, actually, uh, as in I had written the book at this stage, but I interviewed the great George Lakoff, who's now 85 or so. Wow. He wrote a book called Metaphors about, about metaphors, metaphors that make us. Mm. And mm. it's about how actually metaphors frame how we think, you know, and because we're visual creatures, it was only 200,000 years ago, we emerged from the caves. Our predominant way of navigating the planet was sight, while other animals navigated by pheromone, by smell. Mm. So we're very visual and, and language was a much later technology in human evolution. Speech was the first, but then written language was even later again. So these trying to teach people through words and bullet points and slides is not as effective as story and visuals. And that's why I try to, through visuals and metaphors, place 
something in your imagination that you can see your the way you see it. That because then you'll have an aha moment, you'll have a breakthrough moment, not through me telling you words, <laughs> you know. Right. So that's right. why stories totally. are so important. So there's a couple of things. One is that I believe we're in a point in the world that that often happens where it's it's there's a if you think about that wave analogy that, that goes deeper because there's always a flow between chaos and order, yin and yang. Mm-hmm. There's always that flow. That's that's universal law of life. So you're all, we're always going to meet these moments of breakdown. And this actually goes for any aspect of, of life that sometimes you need to have that argument with your loved one, your partner, because you need to clear the air something needs to be said and it feels terrible for a little while, but then you come back stronger or you mm. don't. Right. Mm. And I, the, the great analogy I u- used in the book was the idea of the Phoenix and the Phoenix is this mythical creature that every 500 years willingly, and that's the key point, willingly mm. walks into mm. the flames, mm. burns itself up and from the ashes gathers what it was useful. Now I changed that because my son, again, the, the, from the mouths of babes came to me and he said, dad, you talk to these intelligent people all the time. Why are you telling them about a myth? <laughs> They're not going to believe a myth. And I was like, oh, damn it. The kid has a point. So he inspired me to look for another one. And I found this beautiful analogy in nature that I used to open the book. And it's about these resistance points that we have when we try something new. Back to your point about the, the bow breaking or pulling the arrow too far and it slips out of its socket. So the story goes as follows. So the first act when a caterpillar emerges from its egg is that many caterpillars turn and eat the egg. They use what they used to be to fuel what they're going to become in the future. And then they go through, uh, like everything and every business and every individual, incremental growth. So they become a bigger version of what they used to be. And a caterpillar, in their case, goes through multiple times its own body weight, eating multiple times its own body weight, sheds its outer skin to enable a new skin and becomes bigger until at a certain moment. And and I'd like everybody to think about this. We've all had these moments in the shower or in a quiet walk or moments of solitude where an inner voice and the, the term vocation just comes from the word voice. Mm. Mm. speaks to you and go, it's time for a change, Andy. Mm. Mm. And most of us then try to suppress it through alcohol or some substance or Netflix binges, whatever. But this happens in nature as well. And the caterpillar, deep within the DNA of the caterpillar are these pre-programmed cells called imaginal discs. You may know this. Yeah. And these discs are pre-programmed with a blueprint for what that caterpillar is going to become, which we know is the butterfly. But it doesn't end there. And this bit is not emphasized. And I emphasize this. The imaginal discs are attacked by the immune system of the caterpillar because it doesn't like this strange being that's yeah. happening inside. That's it. the like, that's the Netflix response. That's the like, you yeah. know, like, no, like, get away. Like, what do you mean? It's time for a change, right? Yeah. 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 And, and this happens in organizations. The corporate immune system battens back the change makers. Mm. This happens for each of us when we have a vision. Every reason why we shouldn't pursue that vision comes to mind before the encouragement to go for the vision. Even so much so 
that the people we expect will support us most in our life, sometimes your friends, your family, your loved ones, turn to you and kind of go, oh, I don't know if it's a good idea. Yes, and yes. this is where we have to go, it's a milestone, not a millstone. Mm. I expected mm. this. And sometimes you're kind of turning and kind of going, you? I didn't expect you to be mm. this mm. DNA, this corporate immune system, mm. this immune system that was mm. buttoned button back my idea. So you persist, you get through. And then what happens next is I, the messy middle again. And what happens in the caterpillar is an, an enzyme is released. It melts down the, ca the caterpillar into this soupy, loopy fuel within the chrysalis, which is the hardened skin of the caterpillar. So it's sore and it's painful. You go through a mess in order to come out the other side as something different, the butterfly. Mm. And that's a beautiful visual for gone and gone. All those stages are part of the process. Mm. I'm going to expect messy middles. I think in, in certain ways, society's going through this at the moment. In certain ways, we all definitely go through it when we go through any meaningful transformation in our lives. Organizations definitely go through mm. this process. Mm. And it's natural. Like the word natural comes from nature. This happens in nature. So why on earth would it not happen yeah. in life in every aspect? Yeah. I'm kind of experiencing you in this moment and, and in your work, Aiden, as like you're sort of a, uh, a human imaginal cell or imaginal disc. Like you're someone who's standing for possibilities that many of us might be afraid of. And, um, you know, I'm not going to ask you to predict the future, but I wonder if you, and this maybe connects to vision, like if you were to sort of... Uh, understand what needs to melt in our kind of current social structures, or perhaps if you could see what butterfly we might be becoming, do you have a, what sense do you have? What are you kind of, what vision are you moving towards as you think about our collective road ahead? Now, it's a great question. I, I do think about this and I do think there's a, we saw the great resignation recently, you know, and, and I think this was that people stopped being so busy and and by that i don't mean they were necessarily really busy it's busyness as as you know the term mm. for mm. when you when you overwhelm yourself so you can't think and this is where those skills like meditation is a skill mindfulness is a skill they're mm. skills for the future mm. Mm. when you when you practice those things you create better thinking for yourself you're a better decision maker you're less reactive and more responsive but also you can think clearer and you also give yourself moments of solitude to A, to your point earlier on, be curious to see things because there'll be stuff right in front of you you won't see. Mm. But when you're actually in a different headspace, you'll see it. Mm. And I think that the great resignation is really a great awakening. Mm. It's part of a great awakening where people during the pandemic had a moment to go, wait a second, mm. my boss is a total jackass. The values, my values are out of sync with my company's values, my, I'm definitely out of sync with my boss. They did things during the pandemic that I was aware of, but I actually saw them acutely up front mm -hmm. hand. There was no humanity in that company. The whole idea of the Gordon Gecko Wall Street greed is good is, is in its, it, it's the battling hanging on immune system mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. the, the emerging imaginal discs are coming together. And this happens in the caterpillar. And enough imaginal discs come together. They resonate on a frequency 
that communicates with each other. We were talking before about seeing the whole idea of harmonic resonance. We humans emit energy and that's why we connect with each other. You said, for example, we could have passed by each other a virtual high five or whatever. But I do believe that it, that energy transcends borders. It transcends, mm. transcends mm. physical reality mm. where you connect with somebody. I, I experience this all the time through the show. Like you connect with somebody and, the, and you've never met them, only read their book and interviewed them. And it feels like you've connected with another imaginal cell and you're one step closer towards the, mm. the metamorphosis. Mm. And, and mm. there's a, there's a term, uh, uh, French philosopher, Pierre, uh, Desjardins. Tyler de Chardin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you know the whole idea in the noosphere that mm. there's this layer around the planet of, of energy and we're all almost trans we're all transmitting towards that in mm. a regular basis. Mm. And I actually think that that's happening, that we're the more and more imaginal discs are coming online and mm. contributing towards that bigger change. And I don't know what that's going to be, but it's necessary because we've lived in a very mechanical era driven yeah. by the industrial revolution. Our metaphors have been mechanical. If you even think about the language we use, it's very mechanical. Yeah. We're, get, we're starting to go towards this shift towards more human language, human f embracing emotions in the workplace, embracing women in the workplace, which is long overdue, but takes time to flush out the old way it used to be. Mm -hmm. And they're bringing a whole raft of new skills to the workplace that's changing the workplace. Mm -hmm. There are different lenses back to what we talked about. And th that's all in this mixing bowl, like the melting down of the caterpillar in the yes. chrysalis. The chrysalis yeah. is a life sa stage. And I think the earth and, and all of us on it are in this melting chrysalis, this melting pot. Mm. And I don't know what's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, I hope that our future selves will look back at this moment and say some version of like, thanks for staying with that milestone, the meltdown, because we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here if you didn't. Yeah. yeah. And actually to, to, you know, to bring it back to the whole future self coming back, I think the only thing you can do is, is be a witness to you, what you believe. Many people will think we're talking mumbo jumbo, but, oh, but they won't be listeners to your podcast. So they, That's they right. probably won't hear this because they wouldn't even engage in it in the first place, which is, which is fine. And, and I, this is where, I mean, many of us are at different levels of, of maturity. If you think about the, the stage from the caterpillar going on to become the butterfly, we're all at different stages. And those who have a way of articulating it or have a way to contribute towards the changing chrysalis should do so. And mm. don't feel mm. you're being judged. One of the greatest gifts I have in my life is not caring what somebody thinks. Because if you think about that, because you, you said earlier on, and I, I'll give another metaphor, maybe as a, as a closing one, is, is my, son, my son, my younger son has a nut allergy. Yeah. And w when, you, when your kid has a nut allergy, you don't have one, do you? No, fortunately, no. my wife does though. Oh, yeah. right. Well, you understand. Do you need the yes. EpiPen and all that? 
she, we do have one. And she's a, yeah. she's pretty fastidious about avoiding them. So yeah, oh, okay. it can be good. scary. Yeah. So, so our son, uh, we identified this young and the way we identified, by the way, I used to do the paleo diet. So I was eating like a caveman, yeah. uh, looked even more like one than I do now. <laughs> and, uh, I, I was, eat, so I ate a lot of nuts, obviously. And yeah, when, yeah. when my son was born, it was like, I'd, I'd come home from work and I'd kiss him on the head or the cheek and it'd be like lipstick. And my wow. wife would go, Oh my God, I think he's allergic to you. <laughs> and I go, well, he gets that from his mommy. <laughs> but so anyway, um, you know how hard it is in those early days. Oh, yes. So um, wheat, wheat discovery is not allergy. And then, you know, the, the hospital are like, oh, we're going to launch him onto a, a no tolerance diet. And, and we're kind of going, okay, this sounds very scientific. So literally they bring you in, they're like, I'm going, give him a peanut, wait half an hour, see how he reacts, give him another half peanut, see how he reacts. And I'm going to go, this isn't scientific at all. But, but it gave me a great mental model, another lens to go, because people always go, where do I start? You know, when mm. I'm doing this work, mm. they where mm. do I start? And I go, start really small, like the nut, take one mm. step, mm. see how it, let it seep in. Mm. Then go the next step, then go the next step. Don't overwhelm yourself. Like you, to your point, that it will break. And mm. you experience this, for example, in, in sports where you're doing muscle, muscle building or, you know, you're running a marathon. You don't go and run the marathon. You do the base work first, back to the Lego. But in sports, for example, I try and cheat that process by taking steroids. What happens, the muscle gets bigger, but the tendons aren't Ugh, acclimatized yeah. to hold the muscle, so they pop. So you need to go slow. Mm. You can't go mm. too fast. There's a process mm. here on purpose. Mm. So take the small step, acclimatize, go again, acclimatize, go again. And that process is built into everything we do. Learning, that's how you learn best. Mm. That's why stuff like the Pomodoro technique works. You take a little sprint of learning. You take a break, let the learning seep in. Mm. They're called spacing, spacing effects. Do it again, do it again. Same in any behavior change, any habit change, small steps, repeatedly driven by the vision, see what you're going to become in the future, and you will become a different being eventually. Mm. Aiden, this has been such a treat. Thank you for your gift of metaphor, for, for being a living imaginal cell in this kind of question <laughs> of, of what we might be coming, even as we're like in the breakdown, and the breakdown can feel really scary. Maybe there's the one other thing I'm in touch with that I want to uh, underline it, that you're modeling as we come to a close is this, the, the gift that you can give someone of like making a path that may not be their path, but that they can start to walk on, right? So that we don't, even though we can start small, we don't have to start from nothing. That there are people who have walked these paths before us and have a lot of wisdom to offer. And, I, and I'm experiencing you very much as one of those people. So thank you for kind of walking your path so that others might walk theirs as well. It's an absolute pleasure, man. It was a great joining you. And I hope, as you said, before we started, you reach one person and you, you inspire them or influence them in some way. You're contributing towards the noosphere. You're contributing towards that greater change. And that's a privilege and an honor. And it drives me absolutely to do the show, to do the podcast, to write, whatever it might be, to appear in a podcast like this. So thank you too for doing your part. Yeah, cheers. If people want to find the book or your work, where should where should they go? So you can find me on LinkedIn is a really good place. 
And those who are not in favor of social media platforms, you can find me on www.theinnovationshow.io. And people always go, dot what? Dot IO is used usually in tech platforms. It means input, output. Mm. And the reason I chose that, Andy, you'll enjoy this, is the books behind me are the input. Yes. And yes. It's the, the melting pot is the show and the interview. And that's the chrysalis. And the output is whatever butterfly comes from each episode brilliant and the show is is great by the way i've had a chance to listen to a few and and uh it's just awesome the way that you help take all like that someone's a lifetime of work that they've attempted to distill in this book and then in the conversation to distill it even more it's just really really a treat so um thanks everyone thanks aiden thanks everyone for listening in and uh go well thanks for tuning in to the wonder dome this podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Sirqua and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others. Consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now more than ever. <laughs>